supernaturally dope is. How you experience God and what you believe about God in your everyday life. Being supernaturally dope is harnessing your power and your gifts. Living a dope life that you can be fulfilled with. Being supernaturally dope is just being being whoever God created you to be. Hey now, Tasha here. Thank you once again for tuning in for another episode of My Super Dope Supernatural Life. Uh, Today's episode was not planned. Um, I had another episode I recorded that I actually intended on being episode three, but some unfortunate events made me want to share my thoughts on someone that indirectly impacted my life and impacted how I saw myself serving those around me. And his name is Aramaeus Ashkadon. The world knows him as Nipsey Hussle. And he departed this plane in this life on March 31st, 2019, rather abruptly and harshly. And I wanted to take this time to really think and reflect on the man and his message. I'll admit, I was not an original Nipsey Hussle fan. I didn't know who Nipsey Hussle was until I started following um, Lauren London on Instagram. Well, I shouldn't say that. I followed Lauren London on Instagram for quite a while. Um, I am a fan of her work, but it was I didn't know who he was until she started post- posting pictures of them together. Like any other nosy fan, I'm like, hey, who is this? And so... I look him up and I listen to some of his music and I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's all right, you know. But it didn't seem like until recently, maybe like the last three or four months on social media, I saw a lot of different interviews um, and had an opportunity to like see him in his element and hear him talk and hear about his thought process from everything from business to spirituality to philosophy to music and he was very intriguing and he was very inspiring. I listened to his interview on The Breakfast Club and I was like, wow, this guy is is onto something. Like he's speaking my language because I'm very much into uh, spirituality, a little bit of politics, serving our community. Um, I'm just now on the track to healthy eating and healthy living and and changing my lifestyle in that area and really seeing how all of it is in tandem with one another and how it was always meant to be. We were always meant to be spiritually connected and aligned with our creator, which in tune would align us with being healthy with our bodies, which would allow us to work our craft or work the field and and produce 
be fruitful and multiply. And, and when the Bible says be fruitful and multiply, I don't believe that it's just talking about having a bunch of babies. I believe that being fruitful and multiplying means in every area you are producing fruit, good fruit. So we're always producing in everything that we do. And what we produce is what lets people know if the work that we're doing is from a healthy place or an unhealthy place. So back to Nipsey Hussle. That was one of the things, believe it or not, that I got from something that he said in one of his interviews about knowing yourself and, and being aligned to, to purpose. The other most intriguing thing for me is here's a man that was changing his narrative. You know, he grew up in a part of Crenshaw that is gang is known for being gang infested, for high level gang activity. At whatever point he engaged, and that activity didn't stop him from evolving. And as he evolved and he transformed, it didn't stop him from pulling other people with him through that evolution and transformation, those that wanted to go, obviously. When I heard about him dying, I really had to take a pause. Like I really had to stop and come back in a room by myself because I didn't understand the emotion. Like when Michael Jackson died, I was sad. I was sad, like, oh, no, we lost the icon. I might have shed a, a tear. You know, I said some prayers for his family. But this one in my, you know, it hit me a little different. And I know maybe people all across the country felt the pain. It was like a, a, a different type of pain that came in my heart in a different level of anger. And I had anger on so many fronts, so many fronts, because the discourse surrounding his untimely passing from various communities disheartened me. The faith-based community, there were all kinds of disparaging comments, in my opinion, that shouldn't come from a faith-based community. Comments about how he died. Well, he died the way he lived. Maybe it's a case of chickens coming home to roost. Everybody's not going to heaven. Quit trying to put everybody in heaven. You don't go to heaven just because you do nice things. We don't even know if he was saved. It's like, what? There's like such a high level of insensitivity. And then there were members of the LGBT, LGBTQ community. I want to make sure that I say it right. That were like, oh, we don't want to mourn him because he said homophobic slurs a long time ago. And then there were the conspiracy theorists, which I'll admit, I can't be a conspiracy theorist. But the conspiracy theorists were 
he was assassinated by Dr. Say because he was doing a, excuse me, he was assassinated because he was doing a Dr. Sabi documentary and these things. And, and the only thing that I could think, and before I say this, I want to say I honor the faith-based community. I honor the LGBTQ community. I honor uh, my fellow conspiracy theorists. I just felt like, why are we talking about this now? Here is a Stella instead of in a state of celebration. Like I was already angry and hurt and asking God, why would you allow him to be cut down like this so abruptly? But then to get on Instagram and get on Facebook and even, you know, walking through certain stores or being in certain places where the conversation was going on. I felt like as black people, it was just a time of reflection and celebration. I felt like we were disruptive in a process of this man's journey from this earth to whatever plane his spirit is on. Because I don't have a monopoly on heaven or hell or salvation or what that looks like. In the Bible I read, Jesus was on the cross. The guy next to him was a murderer and a thief. Before Jesus died for anybody's sins, with his own mouth, he pardoned the sins of the man next to him because in his last moments, He just asked for mercy. He didn't repeat a whole creed of salvation. And Jesus hadn't even died yet and pardoned his sins. So to my faith-based community, why are we having a conversation about Nipsey Hussle's salvation? Why are we disparaging or minimizing the work of a man that was an icon on several fronts. And had he lived past March 31st, he would have been a living icon. And I don't want to say negative things about the faith-based community because it laid a sure foundation for me. But sometimes, y'all, y'all be worried about and talking about and debating about the wrong thing. And it's not even biblically sound. It might be doctrinally sound, depending on what congregation or church you go to, but it's not biblically sound. It doesn't line up with what Jesus did or said. If that's the route we're taking. To my other two communities, I was disheartened because we're all black people. And whether we know it or not, on these outlets, there are people that read our posts and read the comments of our posts. And whether they know exactly what we're talking about or not, what they do know is we can't wait to argue and be divided on a minuscule issue. Something that we shouldn't even be arguing and divided about. The only thing that we should have been worried about that particular day was Another one of our black men was killed by another black man 
in a neighborhood that he was in the process of continuing to transform. And instead of there being a universal call for healing, we chose to spotlight mistakes and errors as if a celebration of Nipsey's accomplishments was not warranted. That angered me and further led to my confusion. And I then I had to switch my question to God from, how could you let this happen to, I can understand why you would let this happen. There was an interview that uh, Nipsey had where he talked about knowing yourself and aligning yourself with purpose. Um, I can't remember the interview that I watched. It was so many videos and interviews that was on everybody's timeline, even before he passed. But I like that he understood that God had given him a vehicle, and that vehicle happened to be music. And his music gave him a platform, and his platform gave him influence. And his influence allowed him not just a seat at the table, but it allowed him to command the room to enlighten everyone in his sphere to either think about something differently or introduce a totally new idea that they had never thought about before. No matter where he was and what he'd done, whether he was a gangbanger, whether he was a philosopher, whether he was a ninja, what he demonstrated to me is no matter what he was doing, you were going to feel the impact of it. And not one of those things was going to keep him from his ultimate purpose, which he aligned his spirit with. And that is to be a pioneer and to be a conduit for transformation. He bought the lot that he was one time going to be kicked out of. He gave jobs in his companies or his franchises to those that otherwise wouldn't be able to have a job. He got into technology and STEM and introduced kids in a neighborhood to a whole nother world that they could easily navigate once they become aware and they learned it and let people know who otherwise wouldn't know that even though this is something new, you were built for this. You were meant for this. And like God is not a respecter of persons. He gave me music. He could have gave you math. He could have gave you education. He could have gave you politics. But whatever vehicle he gave you, he didn't give it to you just for you to be great on your own for the sake of being great. He gave it to you because your greatness is to serve, is to transform, is to cause a revolution. It's to cause evolution. And I was disappointed in some of my people because none of us wanted to talk about that. I shouldn't say none of us wanted to talk about that. But the majority of what I saw on social media, that wasn't the conversation. We spent a lot of time early on worrying about the wrong things. I even saw something on Facebook today that just made me cringe. Like, wow, we're still not getting it. My super dope supernatural life came about 
And I've said this before because I'm really interested and intrigued about how people engage the supernatural and their spirituality to identify themselves, to identify their purpose. And I can see how Nipsey did that. I watched a video of an interview that Nipsey had with with, I can't think of the guy's name, but I, I want to say that he's the curator of the platform I'm recording this podcast on, which is Anchor. He talked about how he was just beginning. And then he said something else to the effect that you don't have to outright tell me. I'm going to see it when you show me. And I believe that he was talking about who you are, what you're about, what you want to accomplish, what you're working towards. And even, and let's be clear, we all have a certain level of accomplishments, but what was the driving force behind those accomplishments? And once we accomplished them, what did we do with them? I saw one there where someone said something about his fruit and we could see by his fruit. What more did you need to see? I know pastors with two or three church churches or bishops with two or three churches in depressed neighborhoods that haven't even bought a house in the neighborhood to give to a member. This man bought a whole strip mall. I don't know, guys. I, I just feel like his life, and there's a lot of ways that we can look at his passing on. I think it could be a mirror as to what are we really doing? We can sound deep and philosophical, Some of us know all 66 books plus some of the Bible. Some of us know everything about our religion backwards and forwards. We are great orators. We are great singers. We are great inventors. And we get our medals and we get our our hand claps and our pats on the back. But after we get those things, what do we do with them? Do we buy the strip mall in our neighborhood? Do we purchase homes or real estate in the community where we have influence and sell them at a reasonable price to someone who wouldn't be able to buy a home or give them to a family that's homeless and desperately needs a home? When we know our educational system in our community is lacking and our kids are in a community where They could die at any moment. Do we open up a center and put them in there and say, I want to introduce you to this world called technology because your vehicle, my vehicle is rap music and your vehicle may, may not look like mine. Yours may look like coding or software engineering or venture capitalism or the next man on the moon. But here's this world right here that I want you to look at. Outside of the current space that we're in. Do we do that? Once we get to a destination called success? Or do we do like Eve did? And just continuously go after more. Some people say it was just she wanted too much knowledge. No, I think the moral of the story was 
She was unsatisfied with the vehicle God gave her to produce and to be fruitful. And she wasn't fully aware of what her and Adam had. So that will cause her to listen to a serpent that says, well, you have more fruit over here, but for whatever reason, he don't want you to have it because he doesn't want you to be as great as him. Right? Instead of staying in our own lane and running our own marathon and taking what we were blessed with and being and finding a way of being of service. I feel like our conversation should surround that more than anything else. Because whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're the garbage man, whether you're a waitress, whether right now you just don't know. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mom's belly, I knew you. The translation of that word knew, uh, one of the words is intimate. Not intimate in a sexual type of way, but intimate in a I was involved in every intricate detail. I know you. I know what I was commanding um, your spirit do when you reached earth. I already knew what uh, obstacles you were going to face. But I still have this one thing that I'm going to put right here that no matter what happens, you know this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I feel like Nipsey tapped into that one thing that no matter what happened, he knew that out of everything that he gained, this is what he was supposed to do. And I believe that his life and his passing is a reflection for us, a mirror for us. And maybe God was saying, you did what I needed you to do. Well done. Let's go. Because I have something else for you to do. I don't know. Everybody has a different level of belief and a different level of belief in spirituality and what the Bible says and what your doctrine says. I try not to talk about life after death too much because I have so many questions about it, which is another podcast. But I believe from what I saw and what I know of the character of God, I don't believe that God was displeased with Nipsey Hussle at all. I believe that he tapped into a power in a plane that some of us are still striving for, which allows us to have disruptive and destructive conversations and miss a whole high-level point of celebrating someone's life in their passing. There was a quote that Nipsey quoted in an interview by George Bernard Shaw. It says, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world the unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. That was a quote by George Bernard Shaw. So this episode is titled The Unreasonable Man, My Tribute to Nipsey Hussle. Because when I think of a man that is unreasonable, 
I think of one that will always go against the status quo. That will always defy whatever narrative someone else wants to put on him. Who will defy a system that says that because you were once a gangbanger, you're always a gangbanger. And your life will just amount to gangbanging. I think the unreasonable man answers that by accomplishing all of the things that Nipsey accomplished in the life that he had. By being a seeker of not just natural knowledge and truth, but spiritual knowledge and truth. And in all of the knowledge that he gained from both planes, he applied it. He didn't apply it just by preaching to us. He applied it by putting his money where his mouth was, by putting his platform where his mouth was. As I close this episode, I want to say a special prayer. I don't know if his family will ever hear this, but I want to pray a special prayer over them because once the news reels stop and everybody kind of goes on with their life, there's still a hole and there's still a part that is going to miss the presence of a person that they loved. And so God, I pray a special prayer of healing and peace over Lauren London and her children the rest of the Ashkadon family, I ask God that you reveal your truth in this situation, that you reveal how they work and move forward and keep the legacy and the energy of transformation and evolution and reformation and revival that Nipsey Hussle just began. We know that you are a God of restoration and you would not have it stopped. So we ask that you release unto them the peace, the knowledge, the wisdom, the resources, the genuine support, the genuine help to keep going in every facet of their lives. We ask that you continue to guide them And we ask that every hole in their heart be filled, be filled with your love, be filled with your understanding, be filled with revelation, knowledge of more of who you are and what you've purposed for them to do. I ask for a special angelic covering over the children that you guard their hearts and their minds. And that if anyone witnessed what happened to their father, if anyone witnessed any type of inappropriate conversation, God, that you wipe it from their memory. And the only memories that remain are the memories of empowerment, of validation, of affirmation, and of love that they received from their father. I ask God that as they grow, you protect them. I ask Lord God that you add years to their life, that their life will not be cut short. And that's not something that the enemy or the devil can torment their minds about. 
But I ask, Father God, that you allow them to grow and walk in the generational blessings of their father. And that they do a hundred times over what their father accomplished and that you continue the work through them. So we thank you for the opportunity to experience Nipsey Hussle and all that he gave to the world. We appreciate it. We we appreciate his reflection of you and him. We appreciate you revealing to him purpose at such a young age. And we just thank you for our time. We will not charge you foolishly for everything that has gone on. But we will say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for all of the blessings that you have granted Nipsey Hussle and you have granted his family. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And as his mother would say, I say, amen. The song that you're going to hear at the end of this broadcast is a song on Nipsey Hussle's first album. And it's called Victory Lap. And like the minister said during the eulogy eulogy so wonderfully, that you only run victory laps after you've already run won the race. So here's to you, Nipsey. I believe that you are resting well until your next assignment. God be with you. Love you guys. Until next time. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding. Breaking down a switch in front of your building. Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. Last night it was a cold killer. You gotta keep the devil in this hole, nigga. But you know how it go, nigga. I'm front line every time it's on, nigga. 100 pro flow, running shoot pro. 458 drop, playing bulletproof soul. Every few shows, I just buy some new gold. Circle got smaller, everybody can't go. Downtown Diamond District, jewelers like yo. Hustle, holla at me, I got Cubans on the low. Through the Cancun, smoking Cubans on the boat. And dock that Tulum just to smoke. Look, listening to music at the Maya Ruins. True devotion on the blue ocean. Cruise, my cultural influence, even revolution. I'm integrated vertically, y'all niggas blew it. They tell me hustle, dumb and deal, you might confuse me. It's like that weirdo rap you motherfuckers used to. I'm a urban legend, South Central in a certain section. Can't express how I curb the tactics. Guesses, evidence of a divine presence. Blessings, held me down at times I seem reckless. Effort, got an L but got an E for effort. Stretched it, dropped them off in the Mojave Desert. Then left me, ain't no answer to these trick questions. Money making nip, straighten out my jewelry on my best dresser. Well known, flick up in jail clothes. Snatch a champagne bottle from Rico's till T-shirts. Whatever, nigga, playing chess, not checkers. Nigga, 38 special for you clever niggas. See, bro, you ain't living down by the street code. Been through all these motions up and down like a seesaw. I can never view you as my equal. Fuck.
Funk, I wanna hear your CD Funk. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of My Super Dope Supernatural Life. Listen, make sure you follow us on our social media pages. Um, we have Instagram, we're at Supernaturally Dope. Twitter, Supernaturally Dope Life. And Facebook, Supernaturally Dope. You can also visit our website at www.supernaturallydope.com. We have a lot of great resources, products, and services to help you engage the supernatural in your everyday life. Talk to you soon. Thanks. <laughs>